Dracknut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson, and we are back to give you a special edition of the Dracknut Podcast. This is a version of the podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while, um, and it's totally it, it's sort of related to football, but at the same time, it's also personal for the both of us, for Devin and I, and it's um, a topic for everyone. Um, The topic today is mental health, um, which is something that has been um, bided in all around the league um, with Calvin Ridley and Lane Johnson having to step away from football for several weeks to focus on their mental health and you know, get right and get their mind right to be able to get back to playing the game they love. Um, Calvin Ridley missed this past weekend, this past weekend's game against the Carolina Panthers because he wanted to step away and focus on his mental health. And I applaud him for doing that. And we'll talk talk about that a little bit here in just a few moments. But Devin, it's been a while since we've done recording. How have you been, man? I've uh, been pretty good, man. Uh, moved down to New Orleans, uh, as you know, and, and still getting settled and whatnot. Uh, so I'm trying to get used to living in a new city and whatnot. Uh, but other than that, doing pretty good. Uh, just working, you know, keeping up with college football, all the latest prospects, et cetera. Uh, you know, still trying to stay on top of that and, and whatnot. So I'm doing pretty well, man. Good. You know, I I, I got to ask. I got to ask, how's the city life, you know? How's the atmosphere in New Orleans? Not like from a football perspective, but just from a life perspective. Have you been, have you gone downtown yet to like just go around, have fun, any of that yet? Yeah, man, it's a a busy city, man. Um, Always something going on, always a parade happening uh, in the city. So it's always a fun time uh, to to kind of see, you know, uh, just what everyone talks about when they go down, go down there. Um, I mean, it, literally any day could have a parade. That's just how the city is. It's, it's a very, very much so a, a party type city, always having fun, you know, always kind of laid back and, and looking forward to the next thing. Uh, but, but I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, the parking has been terrible. It's, it's such a park down here. You have just parallel park, and there's not a lot of parking spots. Uh, they got some, like, parking uh, places, but there's not a ton of parking garages. So uh, pretty much going downtown, you got to take an Uber or take one of the streetcars or something like that. But um, in terms of uh, just the, the environment, I mean, it's it's a fun environment. I mean, people are, are super nice here. Uh, they obviously love the Saints. You can walk down the street. And you won't go more than a couple minutes without a Saints jersey, Saints paraphernalia, et cetera. Uh, so city city loves and, and is a, and extremely involved uh, with the Saints and, and what they do. But uh, other than that, I can't have no complaints. The food is amazing. Uh, I, I knew that growing up. My family grew up in, in New Orleans, so so they're you know I, I had a taste of that, but I have not had a bad meal yet. So I, I can't complain. And you're like a few hours drive from Mobile, Alabama. So if you end up going to the Senior Bowl in February, you know, all you got to do is drive down there instead of taking and paying like, what, 200 300 possibly $400 or more just for a flight to Mobile, you know. So that's cost efficient, you know, and also – it's very convenient for you as you're a lot closer to the area than a lot of draft analysts um, that we know um, that live here in the South. You're basically probably the closest guy in towards Mobile, which is awesome. And, you know, I hope I get to go down to Mobile. I hope I get to go down to New Orleans and, um, I am definitely going to be rocking Panthers gear every time 
I'm walking down the street in downtown New Orleans. I'm just going to say that right now. If I get jumped, I'll defend myself. I'm fine doing that. Um, but I mean, would you? I mean, would you recommend me if I wore a Panthers jersey in downtown New Orleans? Look, I, I'm not going to tell you not to. Um, you will get made fun of. You won't get jumped though. We're we're pretty. It, the city in general, they're pretty welcoming to other fans, opposing fans. They're not the type to, you know, get all butthurt because you're wearing somebody. I mean, because I've seen, like, there were a bunch of Bucks fans in town uh, when the Saints played the Bucks uh, just last week. So, you know, it, it's going to be all fun, fun and tongue-in-cheek type of joking. You know, no one's ever going to be serious like, you know, the Panthers are the worst thing that ever happened to this planet. Nothing like that, but... Uh, you'll definitely uh, get a hard time from people uh, or just people yelling who that at you uh, just because you were in Carolina. But uh, they're they're all like I said, they're pretty welcoming in terms of uh, other fan bases. I mean, you know, it's it's a great city. People love coming down here, <clears throat> especially for games. So uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. You, you just will have to uh, deal with some heckling, but you'll be fine. Yeah. I'll manage. It'll be it. It is what it is, you know. Um, you know, I, I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. Um, great city. Um, wanted to learn more of the history around the city of New Orleans. Um, I also want to, like, just have fun in New Orleans. You know, New Orleans looks like such a great time, and it's maybe, what, an hour's drive from Baton Rouge if you want to go to an LSU game. Is that right? Like an hour drive? Yeah, Baton Rouge is about an hour from New Orleans, uh, maybe even less depending on the time of day. But yes, it's not far at all. Um, it, it's pretty. It's a it's a drivable distance. It's it's not impossible to get there. Um, so yes, yeah, about an hour. Yeah, going to Baton Rouge to uh, to an LSU game is definitely on my bucket list. Um, and that's something I really want to experience one day. Even though I am a Clemson Tigers fan, I do want to see just experience and experience the environment around LSU. But anyways, I want to get to what we came here to talk about today, and that is mental health. Um, something that's very important to everyone, um, especially the both of us and especially myself, um, who struggles with mental health every day. Um, so this is a really good opportunity to really just open up about ourselves and, um, really like talk about what we struggle with and what others struggle with as well. Um, I do want to talk about Calvin Ridley and Lane Johnson. Um, and those two players have come out over the last several weeks to say, Hey, I've stepped away. I'm stepping away from the game so I can focus on my mental health so I can get right. Um, It's very important that you are in a very good mindset, um, especially in the NFL where you have so much going on. You're watching film. You're having to practice, trying to get yourself right. Sometimes playing the game can be um, very overwhelming sometimes, and I think that's what Lane Johnson and Calvin Ridley have realized is that our mental health is more important than the game we play. We won't be better without having a better mindset, a better, uh, better mental health. Um, when, you know, you're, you're going to have fans are going to be like, Oh, well, he, he's doing a disturb this service to the team. He's not, playing and he's going to hurt the team all that blah 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 he's going to hurt my fancy team you know what who cares who gives a shit about your fancy teams who gives a shit about like whether this affects the team or not the team has both of these players back the eagles have blaine johnson's back i'm pretty sure uh, from management standpoint from a football perspective i don't know about that but from just like a people perspective from like people around him, like the team around him, they support him. The Falcons are supporting him. The coaches, Dan Quinn, former Atlanta Falcons head coach. Um, he has come out to say he, he is in, he, he supports Calvin Ridley 100%. Um, and 
just a little side note, I think Dan Quinn will probably be back as head coach for an NFL team if this defense continues to play the way they're playing this season, the Dallas Cowboys defense. But anyways, I think it's important that more NFL players and even college players um, and just football players in general to come out and say, hey, I need to take a break from playing to focus on my mental health. I can't. I don't have the mind, the right mindset right now to go out there and compete uh, the best I can. I'm, I'm 100% sure these guys want to be out there right now playing to help help their teams win week in and week out. But sometimes you just got to take a break, take a breath, and just focus on yourself, your mind, and just getting yourself right to the point where you feel comfortable, you feel happy again. Um, and so you have like, I know quite a few friends. I know one of my close friends has um, is suffering de- from depression. Um, and um, I know plenty of, I, I've had my experience with the, with depression. Um, I've also know plenty of people that have had experiences with depression and depression has gone people to a point um, to a really dark, dark place. Um, and I'm sure Lane Johnson and Calvin Ridley, um, I don't want to assume anything, but, you know, there, there's a chance that they may have been in that place or they're feeling like they're in that dark place and they just need to like step away and just focus on their, on themselves and get themselves right. I, I want to comment on, um, Marcellus uh, Wiley's comments from I think it was like first things th- first things first or something like that. Um, it was on FS1 or something like that, um, and he made some really like just bad comments. Uh, Devin, have you seen those? What Wiley had said earlier today? Have you seen anything like that? No, I, <clears throat> I haven't seen uh, anything today uh, in, in terms of what he said. Uh, but, um, you know, while uh, I'll jump in, in in terms of the, you know, just giving my thoughts on players taking, uh, you know, time for mental health. Uh, I mean, you know, I played football for, uh, I want to say, eight or nine years. And it takes a toll on you, uh, you know, physically. Uh, I mean, there were like two or three times I thought about just walking away from the game, you know, just from. Uh, like college, I dealt with back-to-back ankle injuries uh, that pretty much derailed my season. High school, uh, senior year, I wasn't playing a whole bunch the first half of the season, uh, and I just felt like I was wasting my time. So, you know, kind of from a, a mental standpoint, it wears a lot on you. I mean, you, you're playing a violent game that, uh, you know, only, what, the top 2 3% of players make it to the NFL and then – only a certain amount get to play an actual down NFL. So, you know, the numbers are really not in your favor in terms of how you advance your football career. And obviously not everyone plays to to make make it to NFL or play in college. Some play just as an outlet, but, you know, even then, like, it, it just takes a toll on you. You know, the, the wear and tear, the grind on your body. I mean, you've got two, two and a half practices every day. Uh, not even mentioning what happens in fall camp. Uh, and then even before that, this is a full year round commitment because you got uh, winter conditioning, you got spring football. So, uh, you know, and you think about the NFL professional level, I mean, they extended it to 17 games now and, uh, and a full preseason. So they're playing football pretty much more than half the year or they're doing something football related more than half the year. So they really don't have time to, just live kind of a normal life. And I know this is the life that they chose, but at the same time, you've got to think about, you know, kind of the other side. They still have to go home to family, uh, girlfriends, uh, you know, whoever. And, you know, they are dealing with a lot. It's, it's a lot of stress that is involved with football, uh, just from a mental and physical standpoint. Uh, you're putting a lot of stress on your body already, plus, the mental side of it. 
and and you you really can't bring any off the field things you're dealing with onto the field because it just affects you. So it's like teaching these football players like you you got to kind of put your emotions in a box and just worry about the game at hand. You got to win. Got to get your stats. Got to get your contract. Got to get all these things. Yeah. And it it basically wears on you because you you're trying you're constantly put pushing aside your emotions because you have a quote-unquote job to do. And then, you know, you take t- some time away and, and people are crying about their fantasy team being messed up or they're crying about, uh, you know, their team is going to lose now because they don't have their player. But you you got to really stop and think about the player, you know, and, and what they're dealing with because we have no clue. We just see them on the field. We see them in interviews. And that's only, what, maybe 10 15% of them? You, you don't see the other things that go on in their life. So, you know, I, I think it's a great topic to talk about. It's timely, too. I mean, you know, with a couple of players that are, um, you know, taking taking some time to themselves, uh, taking dealing with some things mentally. And uh, it's just incredibly important to, to address it and understand that, you know, these athletes are not – they're not robots. They have emotions. They they're not going to feel their best all the time, and sometimes they just need time to themselves. I'm currently pulling up the Marcellus Wiley um, thing that he um, posted. Um, it was actually from a few days ago, or a couple days ago. Um, he has like a five like a five and a half minute video, just sent, just trashing players essentially of because like claiming they're like mentally weak. Um, and in the tweet, he says the NFL is not the job for the physically weak nor the mentally weak hashtag Darwinism. But there's, and then in parentheses, he says, but there's always work at the post office. It's just that the clip and then that comment alone, like that, turns me the wrong way for so many reasons. Number one, and I tweeted this out earlier, the the weak-minded are the ones making comments like that, like Wiley. Not saying Marcellus is weak-minded or anything like that, but those comments are are very insensitive of him, him, um, very immature of him, where you have people like myself, Calvin Ridley, Lane Johnson, coming out to talk about their mental health. And I've been open about my mental health numerous times on Twitter. I've been open about my dis- my um, myself being or having autism. Um, I've been open about all those things. And I tweeted, where did I tweet out? It was something on the long the lines of... Um, Let's see. Let me look through the tweet. Uh, Marcellus, I tweeted out earlier, Marcellus Wiley has a weaker mind than everyone who struggles with their mental health. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have family members that have suffered from depression and from mental health issues. They are more strong-minded. Um, They're probably some of the more strong-minded people I know. Um and a lot of these people going through mental health and depression, um, it's they're they have such a strong mind. They want to be better, and they're pushing to be better. But there are stuff in their lives that is just so overwhelming, and just really just degrades you, burns you out. Um, I'm right now at the end of I'm starting to, or I'm basically at the start of the end of my fall semester um, at UNC Asheville. So I'm starting to really get a lot of the work. I'm starting to get a big, bigger workload, uh, working on final exams and final papers, projects for my classes. You know, it's starting to become a little overwhelming. Um, and also I'm, I'm trying to manage the workload while also trying to make sure the stress is down for me because, and as someone with autism, like I get anxious, I get stressed out really is 
really easily. I get overwhelmed. And that also adds on to the mental health stuff that I deal with. Um, just sometimes, you know, I, I'll say this during quarantine, during the start of the pandemic, I was really in the, I was in a low place, um, especially like throughout um, the summer, um, not being able to see friends. Like the only time I really went out anywhere was to, I went hiking on my birthday um, on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and I'm like 15 minutes away from the parkway. Um, and then the next day I end up, um, going down back. I end up going down to, or going over to Raleigh to see my sister and her boyfriend. Um, and that was really the only time I was able to go out and do something. So like, that was a nice little, like good heartfelt like moment for me during that time because you know I was around people I loved um and I was around people that loved me um but not being able to see my friends talk to them really just hang out with any of them um uh, for a good good while um it sucked um one of my close friends from high school I didn't see him again until probably probably during a scrimmage game at um, at my former high school, um, at my alma mater. Um, and, you know, it, it was good to see him again. And I'll go back to that time. It, it's, you know, for a lot of people just being stuck in your house, whether it was because um, you were quarantined legitimately for COVID-19 or whether you're just stuck at home, not being able to go anywhere because like everywhere except for maybe grocery stores were closed so you could go out and really go see anyone. Um, and that took a toll on me, especially throughout the summer. And also when online classes or when school started up again last fall, but it was everything was online, you know, that took a toll. Just, you know, not being in person. Like I'm someone that's very much a visual learner and like I, I struggled with that online stuff. Like I got used to it, but I never felt comfortable in that role or being in per or being online, just watching a Zoom class or being a part of a Zoom class for whichever class I was taking. Now that uh, classes are back in person, I'm in a much more comfortable environment, but. Right now, feeling a lot of overwhelming stuff because of schoolwork and everything else, work, um, watching football on the weekend, not having a lot of time to work on homework during the weekend because of that. I also work on the weekend um, for, uh, I, I mean, I don't work a lot, but I work on the weekends um, just to get some money in. So, you know, it, it's, it can be a lot for someone, especially myself. Um, I don't know what your current experience is, Devin. Um, I, I know you in the past have really like sometimes like taken a back seat. Um, sometimes we wouldn't record for a couple of weeks um, because I wanted to let you, you know, like just focus on um, getting yourself right. I know you've had um, some times where you're just like, I need to take a back seat and just take a break from this. Um, we take a break from the podcast here because you know we've both been very busy but also like just trying to find time I think kind of stressed me out a little bit just trying to find time during the day or at night to really find time to talk about football and honestly I haven't been really watching an insane amount of football like I'm not watching draft prospects like every single day because I'm focused with focused on school and after school, I'm just kind of worn out and kind of just want to relax and watch Netflix or HBO max or whatever for most of the day. So Devin, I, I kind of want to want to know what you've gone through. What, what are some of the struggles you've dealt with over the last year and a half or so uh, since the start of the pandemic? Because that's really when um, mental health, depression, um, 
like anxiety and stress, like that's really when everything started to really come to light. Um, not only, uh, not only with ourselves, but with the entire country and with everyone else around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, really you, you take into, take into account the pandemic. I mean, it was tough for everybody. And, and for me, uh, you know, I'm obviously in a, in a kind of in a different situation in general, but, with, you know, me being or working for the news or a, lo- a local news station in Pennsylvania, I couldn't escape COVID. You know, even, you know, when I went to work or uh, anything was happening, you know, I would be in the know. I would know immediately. And I couldn't escape it. So really, those that summer was uh, difficult because I, I just couldn't get away from it. Already knowing what was going on in the country, like, you know, kind of part of my job was to update the COVID numbers that are happening in Pennsylvania. So I saw how many people died every day, how many people got new cases and all that. So uh, that took kind of a, a toll on me mentally because, you know, knowing it's, it's like different knowing that, you know, obviously something is happening in the country. Uh, this COVID-19 pandemic was uh, serious, but then an added layer is that like I had to do stories on it. You know, people affected by it, business affected by it. So like so many people's lives were changing uh, right before my eyes and kind of carrying a lot of that going in. Like, I don't want to dump it on other people because, you know, everyone else is dealing with things. You know, people are dealing with their own issues and whatnot. And, um, and, and more people don't want to hear about, you know, what I have to hear about every day. So for me, that kind of just continued to accumulate and, and kind of uh, built up. And, and, you know, eventually I was able to, to let it out and, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, become somewhat at peace with that. And then obviously the pandemic is, is still on and still ongoing. But, you know, we have vaccines now and all that. So, you know, that that was kind of. Uh, one specific instance of that and just in in general day-to-day life i mean it's hard not to compare the things you do to other people you know i think it's you know especially when you're in a field like sports journalism or you know draft twitter or all the things that we're a part of plus some of the things i'm a part of as well is in terms of uh you know uh, journalism and, and and that in general it's hard not to compare where you're at, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of, I, I don't, I try not to focus on it too much because I think that if you do that, that kind of puts you kind of in a rabbit hole and then you're just constantly not feeling great. Yeah. And, you're, you're kind of setting, you're kind of like setting expectations for yourself that you don't necessarily need to, you know, like I, I've, kind of dealt with that as well like from like being on draft twitter and trying to um really get my name out there as a draft analyst uh panthers analyst uh like just a sports analyst in general yeah it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough one to to swallow because you know at the end of the day you really don't have much control over that you know and, and it's hard I think that's the hardest thing about life in general is like there are going to be things you just can't control and there's really nothing you can do about it. But your, you know, human nature makes you think about it still and, and you still harp on it. And you're like, well, I'm not doing enough of this. I'm not doing enough of that. And I, I mean, I drove myself crazy during the last draft cycle, just trying to come up ways with like unique content and, uh, trying to keep up with the amount of players that I was watching, and and I, I mean I was literally spending like every night, like to two three a.m. <clears throat> watching prospects because I just felt like I had to do that uh, to to be kind of that that person that's like can be reliable, relied on, or people go to when when you know it's uh, time for for draft season. So putting kind of that unprecedented you know pressure on myself. I mean, eventually, like, you know, everything that went down with my Twitter account, I lost it. But honestly, that was a, a blessing in disguise because that, that helped me, like, step back and, like, I could finally, like, 
breathe. I wasn't just like always pressing or always like I need to do this or I need to do that or, you know, continue to add on to my list of things to do. So, you know, that ended up kind of helping me mentally because um, I was like literally every single day, like seven days a week, watching a different player every night, trying to do scouting reports, trying to, uh, you know, come up with content that people would enjoy. And, you know, when I, I kind of going into the summer, I even took a step back into summer scouting. You know, I really didn't wrap it up until July or August. So, you know, it, it, it's all about uh, balancing yourself because you at the same time, you still want to do the things you enjoy doing. I enjoy, uh, you know, scouting players and, and writing stories about players and interviewing players and all those different things that comes with draft Twitter and, and my job. But at the same time, you you got to be smart about, uh, you know, uh, about how often you press yourself and, and push yourself, but, but also listen to your body and what it's saying. You know, if you're not feeling great in a particular day, or you're not feeling up to the task. You know, that's kind of your cue to like just take a, take a step back and relax and, and actually uh, take the time to yourself because, you know, or, or not even just doing that, but getting outside the house or just going and doing something that you want to do because you want to do it, not just because you feel like you have to do things. So it's really a, it's really a lot to, to consider, you know, when you're dealing with, um, you know, all the things that you might deal with in terms of depression, in terms of, um, you know, mental health, you're not feeling great or uh, just comparing yourself to other people. I mean, it's I mean, it's a discussion we could have for hours because you know, oh, yeah. it's so deep and, and so, uh, you know, kind of close to, to what we're dealing with. But at the same time, you know, I just want to let people know, like, even the, the people that you look up to or admire or follow their work, they deal with things, too. And, you know, it, it may not be shown on social media, not, may not be talked about, but but someone's always dealing with something. So that's why I kind of in my day to day mindset, I always approach a conversation or interaction that you don't know what that person's going through. So I try to approach it as like. Always try to be more understanding and, and trying to figure out, you know, especially like and, and things like as trivial as like bad takes and stuff like that you know that's a kind of a different you know subject etc but in terms of just having discussions with people day to day you just never know what they're dealing with so I always try to have that approach that you know leave them better than you found them is is kind of what I would say I I want to say something about you know being on Twitter um, and struggling with mental health you know Twitter is um, a great place to just interact with people uh, create new relationships, uh, create connections. Um, the both of us have created some really good connections over the last um, few years or so. Or so. Um, and we have both gotten some really good followings on Twitter. We um, we do our best to provide the best analysis we can on the NFL draft. Um, I always, I used to really just like try and be you know, someone I wasn't on Twitter. Um, and even though I claimed a lot, you know, like, you, you know, I'm usually just myself on Twitter. There were a lot of times where I was like, you know, I'm not projecting myself as what I would project myself um, in person. Um, and when I decided to start taking like breaks from Twitter, like just, keeping myself distanced from like just viewing the timeline, but kind of like just kind of interacting with some of the guys and in some of the group chats running, you know, um, and when I first decided to take a break from Twitter, because it was just such, so mentally draining, just seeing all these opinions, all these takes after a game or like on a certain situation, going on in the NFL that like there's so many things just going flying through the timeline that you're just like, Holy cow. That's a lot to take to take in. Sometimes you just have to get off the app or get off the site. Um, Mark Schofield of uh, the touchdown wire, someone I know really well, someone I consider a mentor. Um, 
as like just a, from a football film perspective. Um, he reached out to me when I decided to take a little break, maybe like for like a day, day and a half. And, um, and he was like, Hey man, um, I just want, so I, I pulled up the DM he had sent me. Um, so here, here's the bottom line guys. Twitter isn't real. Um, it, it it just isn't. It, it's nowhere close to being real. These these are this is the words from Mark, and he is a hundred percent right here. Um, but the thing with Twitter uh, is that we want to provide instant analysis. We want to be the first to have an analysis on whatever big news happened. You know, like I used to be like that all the time. And sometimes I still have that urge of, hey, I want to be the first to, you know, have my analysis and to, like, be, like, the first to really give a good analysis on what's going on, like a big trade happens or, or like, someone gets released, uh, like, or a draft pick, whatever, or news on a draft prospect. I wanted to be, like, the first be, like, okay. This is what happened, all that, blah, 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 get the clout, whatever, and be done. I'm stopping that. Or I, I really, like, slowed down from doing that. And honestly, now, like, since I've decided to really, like, step away from being on Twitter, like, consistently, sometimes I just need to take a step back. You know, on my phone, usually, like, if you have an iPhone and there's, like, a little bar on the like at the bottom of your uh, at the bottom of the screen, there's like a little bar where you can fit four apps. My four apps on there are usually Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and Spotify. Whenever I decide to really just like keep myself distance from Twitter, I usually just take the app and drag it all the way to a different page and just leave it there. And then it's out of sight, out of mind. And sometimes I go like almost most of the day without really looking at it. Like I'll like come in and like tweet something real quick and then go back um, just to like have a little reaction to something that happened maybe like a couple hours ago or whatever. But I think it's important for, and especially some of our colleagues at um, Blue Chip, like I know there are some of those guys that have really struggled, um, that have felt burnt out, have, that have felt really just tired of just trying to be the best that they can and trying to reach a level that they're setting way too high for themselves. Something I've learned is that you just got to be yourself. Got to be. You just got to be yourself as a draft analyst. Don't worry about what others are thinking. Do your thing. Don't. Ignore what people are saying. Sometimes you feel like you hear that voice in your head that's saying, there are people that follow you that are expecting content. And if you don't get that content out, they're going to be disappointed and they're going to unfollow you because you may be considered unreliable, quote unquote, unreliable. Totally not true. Now, there are some people that are like that. And, you know, if you're like that, bye-bye, don't care about you. You can go on along and follow someone else and be disappointed that they're not putting out enough content that you'd want. Just follow the other big name draft analysts out there. That's fine. That's fine with me, you know, because they do that for a living. A lot of us on draft Twitter are young, 18, 24 in college or in getting their masters or whatever getting um getting whatever um getting their doctorate or something doing something in life they have stuff going on aside from just being a draft analyst they have a life of their own some like for a lot of people like our uh, a friend of the show jordan reed um big shout out to him he just got hired by espn to be on their draft team to be one of their top draft analysts Huge for him. Shout out to Jordan. Congratulations, man. Really hope to have you back on the show. 
Um, but even we shouldn't be setting our expectations to Jordan's level or to Mel Kuyper's level or to Tom McShay's level or, you know, to Dan Burgle's, uh, Burgler's level. Uh, I, I don't know why I keep pronouncing his. Am I pronouncing Dan's last name wrong? Am I doing that? Dan who? Um, burglar? No, not Burglar. Oh, Brugler. Uh, Brugler. Brugler. Dan Brugler. Sorry. Dan, if you happen to listen to this, I'm sorry for pronouncing your last name wrong. Or wrong. I can't speak tonight. Um, but anyways, don't try to set yourself an expectation so high that you're going to burn yourself out just trying to get to there. Set yourself low expectations. Don't try to be like one of the best out there. Just be you. Just be the draft analyst you want to be and also continue to learn from others. Continue to um, appreciate others' work in the draft, in the draft Twitter community um, like Corey Keenan, um, like our very own Dante Colinelli, uh, Tyler Browning, um, AJ Schultz, um, our, uh, our good friend Dalton Miller. Um, you, you don't have to set those expectations so high. Just keep them low. And also, just focus on yourself. Just focus, uh, as a draft analyst, focus on yourself. That's a way to really help yourself. And also, taking breaks from social media and in a lot of draft Twitter's case, Twitter getting off that site for maybe a few days, or maybe if you want a week, take a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, do it. That's totally fine. Twitter is a cesspool of shit. You know, you're seeing so much stuff. Um, the comments you may receive, if you have like a take that ends up blowing up, um, People can be mean on this app, but here's the thing. Like Mark Schofield told me, Twitter's not real. It's not. It doesn't represent everything that is the world around us. You know, that it, it's just not. Um, for me as a college student and just a, um, as a 20 year old, you know, social media is kind of like for, and as someone with autism that struggles with um, the social aspects of like, like having conversations with people in person or um, just like interacting with people in general, social media is kind of like my outlet to really engage with people that have, that I may struggle to engage with if it was in person, you know, um, one of my close friends, um, you know, I, I, I've like, you know, probably a few years ago, um, I would have really struggled to, or probably maybe, maybe seven years ago, probably when I was a freshman in high school, maybe in eighth grade, I would have struggled to really just have a conversation with her. But now today I can just have a conversation with her either like on Snapchat or in person, you know, without having any like, like signs of like struggling with trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to say next? All that, um, like social media has helped me a lot from a, from a social aspect, from a social development aspect as someone with autism. Um, but also social media can be really draining, especially Twitter and like I said before, like I said earlier, my Twitter breaks are going to be more frequent because, like, there's a limit I have that I reach sometimes. And even just muting people or uh, muting certain words or names or whatever, it still doesn't help because you're still going to see the comments. And those comments can just, you know, they can drain you. They can burn you out. They can just, like, kind of lower your self-esteem I just it can just get to your head and sometimes you just need to back away from Twitter and say no I'm going to continue to do the work but I don't have to tell people and give my analysis on it 
every single time. And that's something I'm um, definitely going to be doing throughout the draft season. I may go days without giving a good draft analysis, and it could be either for school reasons or I'm just taking a break from Twitter or just tweeting about the draft in general. Um, so I, I think it's important that you folks, like even during draft season, if anyone from draft Twitter is listening to this, even during the draft season, if you want to give your draft analysis every day, great. But keep try to pace yourself. Try to make sure you just you don't overwork yourself and try to rush things because over the last couple of years I have rushed just to try to get to 150 prospects on my big board because of school and then realizing oh the draft is in, in four weeks I still have a hundred prospects left to watch I have to watch a hundred prospects in four weeks. Um, and with a ton of homework as well, I have to get all that done. So I'm realizing now, like, I'm going to start when I get enough tape towards the end of this college football season, probably around December, um, which is, which is when I'll be, um, on my winter break. Once I see, I, like, there's more Drake London tape available, there's more Kayvon, um, Thibodeau. Um, tape available, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley. Once you, ha- once there's enough tape out there for those prospects, I am going to start diving into final film evaluations. I just want to get it out there. But again, with Twitter and, you know, mental health, Twitter can really damage your brain from just looking at some of the insane stuff you see on there every day. Um, it's addicting to be on it, just to scroll and chat with people and all that, have healthy debates and discussions. Sometimes it's just you, the stuff you see on the timeline, it's just not worth like getting involved with. And sometimes you do, and it just drains you out. So I would recommend trying to stay off Twitter or have breaks every now and then. And especially for myself, I'm definitely taking those breaks more often than not. Um, and they may not be like, on like the main home screen on my iPhone. Um, and I may just like put it on a different page and not even think about it, but I'll probably scroll to it just to see like quick scroll through the timeline, all that, and then be done. That's all I'm going to do. But that's kind of my take right now um, with like Twitter, mental health, and also kind of like a little bit of my, um, my experiences with social media um mental health and from a disability standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you, you put it, you know, pretty clearly in terms of, you know, what was important, you know, was what is in, in terms of uh, dealing with mental health and, um, you know, understanding, uh, you know, kind of, you know, what goes into, uh, you know, what, people may be dealing with. And, and you know, Mark is, is right about Twitter. You know, it, it's, it's not real. You know, it's not reflective of how people actually talk and communicate and whatnot. And, and people, you know, will obviously, uh, you know, say whatever they want, you know, uh, during or during games or, or at people just because they disagree with them. Uh, so I think it's important to, uh, you know, kind of separate that this is not, you know, real life, you know, this is something you can walk away from and, you know, and understand that whoever this this person may be, you know, you, you just, you should, I won't say you shouldn't take what they say to heart, but at the same time, you know, don't dwell on it because, you know, there, this isn't a, a platform that dictates, you know, what happens in your life, you know, or shouldn't dictate what happens in your life. So, you know, I think it's important that, you know, people, uh, un- listen to themselves, listen to their bodies, understand uh, the different things that they can do to, to step away from situations or take the time that they need and, you know, just ultimately uh, get better for themselves. You know, you don't have to put on a, a brave face for social media. You know, you don't have to, um, you know, prove to other people that, that you're okay. You know, as long as you feel okay and, 
you feel like you can do things you, that you want to do and, and can do. Uh, I think that's all that matters at the end of the day, and obviously the people you care about as well. So I think it's important that, that people uh, take the time that they need all the time and, and don't feel pressured or, or feel like you, you can't because of whatever obliga- obligation that, that may be in the way. Uh, you can do it. You know, you, you can take your time and, and you don't have to, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, the top of everything. You know, you don't have to be on top of everything. You don't have to uh, do everything to, to try to be the best. You know, sometimes you just need that time to take to yourself and, and recharge and, and, and then go from there. I, w- I want to say this, and I'm trying to recollect the thoughts real quick uh, that I had. Um, what was I going to say? Crap. Um I'm drawing a blank now. <laughs> um, I, I, I will say that, you know, again, with the expectations, um, you know, one day I hope that um, I am in Jordan Reed's spot, you know, working for ESPN, being one of the top draft analysts in the country. Like, that's my ultimate goal. And if I don't ever reach that goal, but I'm so considered – one of the best draft analysts around like 10 years from now, um, you know, I, I will be very comfortable doing that. And this is something I want to do for the rest of my life um, until I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, and sometimes like just having those thoughts, it, it can be overwhelming because you're, you're thinking about everything that could happen that could happen at any point in your life, like down the road, whether like that's different job opportunities or whatever, um, to work for different websites, um, or different companies, um, different, um, papers or, um, news sites, um, to cover a certain, um, aspect of the NFL, whether that's a different NFL team, um, NFL news in general, either or college football or covering college recruiting. Um, And then, of course, covering the NFL draft and um, being considered one of the better guys out there um, doing that job. Um, Those are expectations that sometimes like people are like trying to compare themselves to like, oh, we're not putting as much content out as. Um, Ben Solak is and sometimes we just like need to just stop and say hey you can keep producing the content and it's okay if it's nowhere close to some of the best um, football writers out there it's totally okay just be yourself don't burn yourself out trying to be something that you're unrealistic unrealistically setting an expectation to be. Um, and of course, like you, you try and think of the thoughts again. Um, you know, there, there are, and you know, we, we talked about in the group chat. Um, I think it was like last week or something where um, the guys were talking, where our colleagues from Blue Chips Gang were discussing our, our futures and um, our different career paths. And, you know, for a lot of them, you know, the NFL draft may not be a goal in their life. Um, and that that's totally okay. Um, and even for the both of us, we may not be cut. I, I'll even admit that, Covering the NFL draft um, on a national level um, is, sure, it's an unrealistic expectation, but it's a goal that you want to reach. Uh, But at the same time, you don't have to pressure yourself so much where you're just burnt out and just losing your mind that you're not putting the content out there that people expect you to. It's perfectly okay to be... um, to not be one of the best out there. But having different voices and opinions on certain players about the NFL draft, about the NFL, about college football, about recruiting, about all aspects of football or sports in general, 
that's why we have social media and that's how and social media has really helped spread more voices out um to get more opinions out and takes on all things whether that's sports politics and like movies um like marvel or uh, dc like just anything at the same time you really just you have to focus on your mental health um when you're feeling overwhelmed um there are some times where you just you're like i gotta stop doing everything like just i gotta stop working on draft stuff i gotta stop i gotta stay on social media sometimes you'll just take you'll just back away from everything and just focus on yourself and be good with that and now i i want to comment on and the thoughts have come back to me about what I was going to say earlier. For for people growing up, and especially men, we've been grown up to kind of like hold in our emotions, kind of just like be tough and be the strong one out there. Um, especially if you're in a relationship with someone or you're married to someone, you want to be the tough, you want to be the dad that like, that's like super tough and like won't show, um, much emotion. You won't cry or you won't show any sign of feeling or emotion, but it, it, it's just, you know, inside they're kind of just breaking apart. And I've come to realize it's okay to not be okay and I think more people need to be comfortable with that um, and for me like you know I remember when um, my dad had to be away from work and wouldn't be home for several weeks sometimes a month um, he won't he wouldn't be home you know I had to be sort of like the man of the house in a sense um, and try to be tough and all that. Um, try to be like, I remember when, um, I had to put uh, my childhood dog down, um, several years ago. Like I tried to be as tough, as tough as I could, but I wasn't able to hold back the tears and I just kind of let it go. So it's okay to just be human and not to be a robot. And that's what a lot of the NFL players that, there are plenty of NFL players probably in Calvin Ridley and Lane Johnson situation um, in their positions that are like, we're not okay. We need to be more open about this to show people we're not robots. We're human. Athletes are not robots. They are human. I have learned, I have come to learn that over the last several years. They are just not something that, they can hide their emotions, all that. They are human and they need to be cared for. Um, and I, I want to bring up the Henry Ruggs um, incident that happened the other day. Um, as you all know, Henry Ruggs was, um, uh, was charged with UI, um, and there was a death, um, a 23-year-old woman um, and her dog were killed when Ruggs was flying down the road at 156 miles an hour and collided with um, that young lady and her dog. Both of them died from the fire that erupted in the car. Um, and now Ruggs' career is over. And that kind of like just sometimes in... I'm not trying to defend Ruggs in any way. What he did, inexcusable. I, I he does, he should accept the, he should pay for he, the consequences that he will have from this, that he is having, he deserves. But just knowing that he was driving under the influence tells me that there is, there was something wrong with him. Not just, like in that moment, but probably beforehand. We've seen videos of athletes like 
they look all happy. They look like they're having fun, all that. But behind the scenes, behind like the, um, uh, like the sound bites and all that, you don't know. And like you were talking about earlier, Devin, like we don't know what's going on in their lives. We, we, we barely, we, we see a, a very small portion of what goes on in their lives. And they're, they're, they could be going through stuff that they just, you really don't know. And once you find out that they've been going through stuff, you feel very, very bad. And also you, you feel for that person, and you know, um, with Henry Ruggs, um, I loved Derek Carr's comments on him. Um, but at the same time, pay for his, um, pay for what he did. And he should get that max sentence. Um, which is like two to 20 years for DU, um, a death and DUI or something like that. Uh, he deserves a maximum sense at the very least. Um, so you, you just don't know what's going on with someone. And, this, and I bring this up because it, it's a perfect time to always ask someone, are you okay? I try my best to reach out to some of my friends, asking them, Hey, how are you doing? How's your, how's life going? How's your mental health going? Um, I reached out to one of my close friends, um, during the summer and asked how he was doing. And, um, he like came open to me. He was like, Hey man, um, I'm not doing really well. My girlfriend broke up with me. I'm not in a great place. And he and I chatted for a little while just to really just kind of letting him open up a little bit it's always okay to open up about what you're going through what you're feeling um and it's important to talk to friends talk to family um go to a therapist and talk to them um and if you have teachers tell them what you're going through and and most of the time teachers will be like i totally understand what you're going through and sometimes you may not have the mental capacity you may feel so burnt out that you just can't do school anymore or you just need a break from school in general and a lot of professors nowadays a lot of instructors will be like hey i totally understand take all the time you need don't worry about schoolwork or anything just come back when you're ready to come back and they'll allow you to do that i think it's important that more people come out about their mental health and share their experiences, share what they're going through. And I think it's important for me to continue to share my experiences. And I think, Devin, I think it's also important for you as well to be more open about what you're going through as well. You, you've been open to myself and, um, our, and our colleagues at Blue Chip about what you're going through uh, or what you've been through or anytime you've been through something that you need to take um, time away or something like just to let people know out there, you're never alone. Um, there is no need to in your life because everything just isn't going right. There's the, tomorrow will be a better day. Always. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a, I think it's a great way to kind of end this. I mean, you know, you, it, it's, you know, life gets tough. I mean, you know, you, things happen, uh, you know, you lose people, you know, you, you lose things, you, things happen that you don't, didn't expect, you know, you lose out on opportunities, all, all types of things happen, happen in life. Um, and it's just important that you, you know, take it one day at a time. Personally, that's, that's kind of how I look at things. And then two, um, you know, take the time that you need because all you have in life is time. You know, you, you'll have money, money will come and go. Friends will come and go. Uh, obviously you'll have your family, but time is something you can't get back. So, uh, the, the more time you can, uh, really focus on yourself and, and understand and make sure that you're okay and you're not just going through the motions of life and, and just forcing yourself to do things because you feel like you have to, the better off uh, uh, your life will be because you don't, you're not living on other people's time. You know, you're living on your own 
Um, and I think that's the most important thing uh, that, that anyone can can take. If you take anything from this is is reclaim your own time. You know, don't feel like you have to do things and understand that, you know, work gets in the way, kids, families, all types of things that I don't even have experience with. You know, obviously, uh, Andrew Harbaugh, a, a colleague at Blue Chip, is he's a father. So he he and he has a whole different set of lifestyle and what goes on in his life and he takes time as well what that he needs or takes time time away to be with his family so uh like I said, the only thing you have in life is time and, and just make the best of it and um you know whatever you know you're going through or, or you need time yourself uh just do what you you can or, or know what to do and and just take that time for you absolutely um and like i said i think this is a Good way to end it. Um, good way to end this podcast, this episode of the Draft Up Draft Up Podcast. Um, guys, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we don't know when we'll be back. Um, I, I we're, we're hoping to be back to our regular schedule programming. Uh, back to two days a week. Um, we may try to do an episode a week. We, we're just not sure, but. Um, we'll be back soon. We promise. Um, but again, um, I want, I just want to tell you guys, it's okay to not be okay to reach out to your loved one, loved ones, um, and just see, just check out, check up on them and to hug your loved ones, hug your parents, siblings, friends, colleagues, whatever. Um, be open about what you're going through and, you know, get the help that you need um, because there are people that will always be there for you. Um, and those people, those are the people you stick with and um, you uh, spend the rest of your life with um, or uh, hang out for the rest of your life with, you know, friends, family, what have you. So, um, again, be open about what you're going through mental health wise. Um, it, it, and again, it's okay to not be okay. Um, and to be human. Now I'll end our podcast. Thank you guys so much. Peace.